You're listening to Camayo's Compliance Talk by our in-house compliance expert, Michelle Camayo. Join Michelle on the latest developments, questions, and conversations surrounding employee benefit issues organizations are navigating today. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. This is Michelle Camayo, Compliance Leader here at Bolton. I work with employers on a daily basis, having these practical discussions with employers. I'm not giving legal advice, and my word of caution is always that there are a lot of emerging ordinances or guidance, so be diligent in your updates. Our objective today is to help employers address or solve compliance concerns and issues that are most meaningful to our audience members. So that is why we created Ask Michelle. Please don't forget that you can always send me an email throughout the month at any time at askmichelle at boltonco.com. You'll see that there on the screen. And new episodes are available on Apple Podcasts. So if you have to drop off early today, that's okay. You'll be able to listen to the Apple Podcast episode. And generally that is uploaded the Tuesday following the webinar. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. First, I, I start off with some compliance chatter, what I'm hearing uh, from other employers, what I'm seeing in the marketplace that you might find relevant. And then we open it up to questions and answers. And the first thing I wanted to talk about, I haven't been with you all since March. So I we didn't do this in April. In the past couple months, I have been hearing so much chatter about chat GPT. And at first I thought, oh, this isn't a thing yet, but now it's really developing into a thing. So I wanted to share with you an article I found. I thought it was really interesting. It was an article from LexisNexis about the implications of using chat GPT in the workplace. And I have a, a quote here where uh, it's, it say, states in the article that chat GPT isn't always used openly at work. So 68% of the people who said they use it at work um, don't disclose that they use it. And it says that only 32% use chat GPT with their boss's knowledge. And Fisher Phillips reliably uh, published an article regarding the EEOC's latest guidance with AI, and they were sending a warning essentially because what they were finding or what they were learning is that employers were using AI for recruitment and hiring process, and that could lead to discrimination. So the EEOC issued a warning with regards to that. I wanted to start us off today with a quick poll. I am interested, and I think maybe our audience is interested in what others here are, are doing. So I've got a poll here. I'm gonna start it right now, launching it. And if you could take a moment to answer the question. And the, the question really is, have you or your organization discussed using G, chat GPT in the workplace? I think we're all curious to see, all right, how are employers reacting to this? So it's nice to have uh, your survey response here. Okay, 
The majority so far are saying no, they they have not discussed it, their organization has not discussed using ChatGPT. All right, most people have voted. So what we're looking at is a, about 18%. Yes, they have discussed ChatGPT, but aren't sure what they're gonna do with it yet. 68% said no, they've not talked about it at all. And then we have almost 15% said yes, and we plan to use it. And if you wanna reference this later, you can download the handout section, you can download these slides, these slides, and then click on the links here. More compliance chatter, maybe not as fun as talking about AI. Uh, we have some compliance chatter and news. First, PCORI fees are due at the end of July. These are only due for self-insured medical plans, which does include an ICRA and an HRA. So if you have a Kaiser HRA or you have an HRA with Blue Shield or another carrier, that means you need to pay PCORI fees. And of course, if you have a self-insured medical plan, PCORI fees are due as well. If you're only fully insured with regards to your medical plan and you don't have an HRA, Fortunately, you don't have to pay the PCORI fees because the carrier pays that on your behalf. Next up, we have HSA indexing. So higher than average increases due to inflation. If you saw the article we posted, you'll see that it is the out-of-pocket maximums, the deductibles, and the contribution limits have all increased faster than what they normally do, which makes sense because the indexing is tied to inflation. So the higher the inflation, the uh, more significant the increase to those limits. And I don't know if you all have seen the Braidwood decision. It came down and it affected certain preventive care coverage. So this was way back when we had some legislators in states were fighting the Affordable Care Act they were trying to dismantle it and they made headway with regards to certain preventive care coverage. So a court issued and um, essentially said it is unconstitutional and that group health plans did not have to offer certain preventive care coverage at 100%. But then very shortly after the US Court of Appeals issued a stay that was on May 15th. So this is all very recent. So all preventive care coverage must remain intact for now. So what does this mean for you as you're listening with regards to your group health plan? I will say right now, it means nothing. There is no action to take. There's a stay issued on this. So there won't be any changes for the foreseeable future. And we'll, have just, we'll just have to see where that goes. And of course, the end of the public health emergency and the group health plan impact. I've spoken about this on prior webinars together, and I've published several different articles on this topic, and I've linked one here in case you want to revisit that as well. And don't forget, if you have any questions, feel free to put those into the questions chat box here, and I will monitor that. Oh, wow. One of my favorite topics that I know may be near and dear to your heart. This is paid family and medical leave. This is uh, we've talked about this where there's a patchwork of laws. States took it upon themselves to start passing 
these policies and laws that account for either paid family medical leave or in some instances just paid leave for any reason. And it is this patchwork patchwork. So for employers who have a national presence, it's it's becoming harder and harder. And more states may be jumping aboard in 2023. We have bills in the legislature for Florida, Louisiana, Missouri, Minnesota, Nebraska, and North Carolina. They are all contemplating passing their own version of paid leave. So more to come on that. The most recent to pass was Illinois with their Paid Leave for All Workers Act. It now requires all workers to earn paid leave they can use for any reason starting in 2024. So that's Illinois. I've also linked a resource here that I found really helpful. I wanted to share it with you. If you do have that national presence and you have employees in several different states or just any different state, you can click on this link here. It's an absence regulatory guide. I was testing it out and seeing how user-friendly it is. And really once you go to the specific state, let's say California, it will bring up a summary of all applicable leave laws in that state. So I do think you might find it very helpful and I've linked it here. Okay, now we're getting into the question and answer portion of Ask Michelle. And the first one that I got, and, and I had been getting this question throughout the, the past, I would say, um, gosh, probably four or five months, what group health plan coverage has been affected due to the end of the PHE? Well, first, let's separate out, when we say group health plans, let's separate those out. One bucket is the self-insured group health plan or the non-California-based fully insured plan. If that applies to you, only federal law applies, which means the requirement to cover COVID-19 tests without cost sharing, that includes the over-the-counter and lab tests, that has now ended. The COVID-19 vaccine must be covered with no cost sharing when administered by an in-network provider, but it no longer has to be covered at 100% if an employee or participant goes out of the network. And there is no longer a requirement to cover treatment, you know, therapeutic or otherwise, of COVID-19 any differently than any other type of medical condition. And that is with regards to plans that are subject to federal law only. That would be your self-insured group health plans and then your non-California-based fully insured plans. If you're listening and you're California-based and you're fully insured, not much will change for your group health plan participants. That's because California passed legal protections to extend COVID-era provisions to November 11th of this year, which is six months after the PHE ended. So for California-based fully insured group health plans, nothing is changing right now as it pertains to COVID protections with regards to the group health plan. Now, if something is changing for your group health plan because you're either self-insured or you're not based in California, the agencies really encourage employers to notify the plan participants of changes of, to coverage due to the end of PHE. 
even if you determine that it's not necessary to create an, a plan document amendment, but I always think it's very practical to have that transparency, send a quick note to your plan participants, letting them know what has changed. It, changed. I think that's a great idea to do that if you can. And further, your plan document, the way it's worded, it may very well require that you issue an amendment. So make sure you pay attention to that. I'm going to check for questions here, see if we have any. All right. Okay, I had a question. Oh, this is a great question. So I'm, I'm happy someone posed this. Is paid family leave an accountability of HR or is it the broker? That is such a good question because sometimes you don't know where to turn. And the answer is it is HR. It's, it's really employment law, right? So whenever we deal with leave of absences that don't intersect with group benefits, what we look at is employment law. And as an insurance broker, insurance brokers are not experts in employment law. Now, they may provide some level of employment law expertise via, let's say, mineral, but they are not employment law experts. You know, here you know that I work for Bolton. We're an insurance brokerage firm. My purview is group benefits or anything that touches group benefit. But leaves do not fall under group benefits. They fall under employment law. But of course, if you were a client or if you wanted to email me, um, you certainly I have a I have a good number of resources from you know employment law attorneys down to HR experts that I could refer you to if you wanted to get a better handle on the leave laws. Oh, someone asked what the state is with the most paid paid leave total per year. I actually don't know. I, I don't know that off the top of my head. Uh, great question. I have a feeling it's California, but um, I don't know. We, we might have some competition out here in California now, uh, but no, I don't know off the top of my head. And I had someone ask for California employees, will COVID tests be covered? If you have a fully insured plan that's cited or written in or based in the state of California, yes, COVID tests will be will continue to be covered just like it was prior to the end of the public health emergency. And that will last until November 11th of this year. With the end of the public health emergency, someone has asked, has California put out any info on what employers should or shouldn't be doing anymore, such as PPE requirements? Yes, they have. They issued um, changes, a revision of the Cal OSHA regulations, and we wrote an article about that. I want to say that was a couple months ago, and I'll link that article over to you. I, I can see who posed that question, so I'll, I'll get that link over to you so you can read more about that. All right, we also had the national emergency end as well, and that was tied to extended deadlines with COBRA, with HIPAA special enrollments, and uh, ERISA claims. And so someone asked me, is there any requirement to notify COBRA participants regarding the end of the national emergency or the outbreak period? No, the DOL has not issued any notice requirements. We thought that they might, 
They haven't yet. And so I would suspect that they won't impose any type of requirement on employers with regards to this. Let's see, I'm just going to look at questions. I want to make sure that I don't miss any here. Ah, yes. Okay, so I see someone else wants the link for the COVID requirements for Cal OSHA and how that has changed. So I'll make sure I send that. I can send that in the post webinar email that way everyone is able to get that. Oh, and thank you. We have Casey on the line here. So that's fantastic. And Casey says that Minnesota now requires 12 weeks of sick leave plus 12 additional weeks to care for others. So really it could be up to 24 weeks. So, all right, Minnesota might be in the lead for having the most um, leave or, or sick time there. Well, don't hold me to that. I'm, I'm not sure, but it seems like that's that's pretty generous. Before I leave you today, here are some resources. Don't forget that I publish a lot of articles via the Bolton blog. Actually, Casey, who we heard from, uh, he, he uh, is the one who told us about Minnesota. He also helps keep our blog up to date and writes good articles for us. So you must subscribe. You won't get those automatically. You have to subscribe. So it's boltonco.com slash blog. That's where I put out the most of the content. And then for benefit-related questions, if you're a Bolton client, please contact your team. And then don't forget about Think or Mineral, Mineral, formerly Think HR. Don't forget about them. They're a great resource for the latest employment news, sample forms and policies, paid sick leave charts. Um, they even have PTO and vaca vacation charts and guides for employers to use. And then they do have that wonderful library of learning modules, and which includes employee and supervisor trainings. Kaiser Family Foundation has released a, a Medicaid enrollment and unwinding tracker by state. I found that to be really interesting, especially if you know that you have a good amount of, of employees that are enrolled in Medi-Cal or Medicaid across other states then you may be very interested to see how enrollment is affected and you can do so by linking to that tracker. Fisher Phillips has a webinar coming up. I thought California's, uh, or actually I thought everyone might be really interested in. It's coming up June 6th. What employers need to know about EE01 reporting? I have linked that webinar invite here. So don't forget to download the slides but if you do forget, we'll send the slides in the post-webinar email. And those struggling or still working on CCPA uh, compliance here in California, Fisher Phillips has a resource center, and I've linked it there as well. That's going to wrap us up for today. I'm going to check for questions before we hang up here. Someone asked me to email the EEO1 resources, but really you can download the slides in the handout section of the toolbar, or um, you can wait until later today and we will link these slides and you can click on the article and the webinar invite that you see on the screen. That's it for me today. Thank you so much for joining. Don't forget, we will send the slides and a copy of the recording in the post-webinar email as well as if you didn't catch the entire episode today, you can download it from Apple Podcasts. Just search Kamayo's Compliance Talk and the latest episode will be available by the end of next week. Thank you so much, everyone.